Podcastle, episode 244, for January 22nd, 2013. The Very Strange Weird of Indart Scoth by Scott H. Andrews. Rated PG. Hello and welcome to Podcastle. I'm Dave Thompson, and if you're anything like me, you can't get enough books. Sometimes, this can be a dangerous habit. Bookshelves can collapse on top of your head. Overcrowded bedside tables can try and swallow you. And yet, I ask you, can it be helped? My wife and I are at no loss for books to read, and yet, when my parents offered to babysit our kids for the weekend, you know what our first activity was? Okay. Our second activity? Yeah, we drove to Romans, our favorite indie bookstore, and bought a couple of books. You know, the real coming of age is when you realize with a nameless dread that there are more books out there that you want to read than you possibly can. So, with that in mind, we have a treat for you book lovers this week. We're very proud to present The Very Strange Weird of Indart Scoth. By Scott H. Andrews. Originally published in Space and Time, Scott offers his apologies to the late, great Clark Ashton Smith. Scott H. Andrews is a chemistry lecturer, editor, and writer. His genre short fictions appeared in venues such as On Speck and Weird Tales and an audio podcast like The Dune Steve. He's editor-in-chief and publisher of the pro-rate online fantasy magazine Beneath Ceaseless Skies and it's Parsec Award Finalist Podcast. Hey, congratulations on being a Parsec Finalist. He lives in Virginia with his wife, two cats, nine guitars, a dozen overflowing bookcases, I told you they were dangerous, and several hundred beer bottles from all over the world. Those are totally safe. Visit him online at scotthandrews.com. Our reader this week is Eric Luke. He's read everything for us, from Edgar Allan Poe to Kelly Link, and he's one of our favorites here. Eric recently put out Interference, a brand new patio book, but we'll talk about that more at the end of the show. So hearken to your weird, and enjoy the story. The Very Strange Weird of Endart Scouth by Scott H. Andrews Please... Lend me your second copy of the Chronicles, O magnanimous lord of bound volumes, cried the scholar standing in the street. Endart Scouth, the most prosperous bookseller in all of Samich Turn, and by that token in the whole of Hyposudia, was startled from his reverie by the reedy voice. His ruminations as he walked homeward that evening had been lavish with the parchment scent of antique books, the supple smoothness of age-warm buckram, and the vivid hues of many-lettered spines in piles, stacks, and teetering columns all atop the bookshelves of Endart Scouth. Now this scholar had chased that vision from his mind. "'Your pardon, but I ceased lending my treasures long ago, after too many were returned with dents and creases.' Then I offer to buy it, O oh, generous one! And Art Scouth halted. With his shop and his home both packed to the rafters, and even his bed so covered with books that each night he had to clear a space to sleep, 
He had sworn by the antlered altars of Fekvol Prath to buy no more. Yet, as a vexing consequence of this oath, he could no longer bear to part with any that he already owned. Your pardons, please, he said. I cannot. The scholar hefted a ratskin purse, and weighty coins clinked therein. I will meet any price you care to name. And Artscouth screened the purse from his sight. Such a windfall from the sale of any book would suggest, nay demand, that he use it to acquire a dozen more. No. Then, O Endart Scouth, the scholar said, I leave you to your hoard. Yet I must warn you, from all that I have read regarding men of your ilk, hearken to your weird. The hunger which you bear for all rare books shall ensnare you, and sight itself shall consume you at the last. Patently bleak, admitted Endart Scouth, as he hastened on his way. Although this weird that you portend for me is more than a touch vague in its earliest phrases, and your final metaphor is cryptically indistinct. Several moons hence, Endart Scouth sat one afternoon in his shop, the gentle glow of dusk grazing the spines of the myriad volumes that filled his many shelves. He had held fast to his oath, foregoing several resplendent purchases only through supreme effort. Yet he could not quash a stir of curiosity when a narrow-eyed outlander in a ragged cloak entered his shop and set before him a bundle tied in tiger-hide. The stranger slid from it two tomes of meticulous appointment and immaculate condition. Runes sparkled along their spines, gilded in ancient Hyposudian script. Their covers, against the barest touch of Endart Scouth's fingers, felt as smooth as regal silk. Their pages wafted the dusty aroma of bygone ages. They flamed at Endart Scouth's heart, and he knew he must have them. I offer two hundred cubits, he said, a fair price for such volumes of ancient tales. Not any as faultless as these, insisted the stranger. I will take five hundred cubits. There are other booksellers in Samich Turn, I am told. Four hundred cubits is the most I would pay. These volumes do appear pristine, but how am I to know that they are yours to sell? Very well, blurted the stranger, and he accepted the stack of square coins. And Artscouth watched him depart with a wary gaze. He suspected the books had been stolen, but he had made many past purchases from sellers of equally dubious mien, and no former owners had ever troubled him. He snatched up his new treasures and squeezed between precarious stacks to the enclosed bookcase on the rearmost wall. With all the delicate care of a mother snugging swaddling, he unlocked and raised the oaken door. He set the new pair at the far left of the shelf and arrayed his other most prized volumes by descending size, like the colonnade of an ancient ruin receding into the distance. Then he placed the new tomes at the far right and reordered the whole shelf by the hue of the spines. No, only one arrangement would honor these volumes as they deserved. He set them precisely in the middle of the shelf, with the others descending in size on either side. Like a grand colossus of yore, the new pair presided over his entire collection. And Artscouth felt their condemning stare, and he vowed to do double penance for breaking his oath. But the magnificence of these books would make ample consolation. Rare and lavish tomes. These alone, he thought, 
preserved bygone elegance and craft in a world of ceaseless change. At this point, his meditations were interrupted. Suddenly, and without warning, the two volumes started to wriggle from the shelf. Before the startled bookseller could stop them, they had fallen with a muffled thump to the floor and began to slide down the cluttered aisle. Such behavior was most bizarre, but the bookseller fell to his knees with no other thought save to retrieve his books. They, however, continued their strange ambulation across the floor of the shop and through the outer doorway. Endart Scout was intensely alarmed, and he gave chase into the lane. The twilight had deepened to an inky blue, and the books, as he followed them, seemed to chitter with a snickering derision. It passed his mind that they were bewitched, but not even a mysterious sorcery could convince him to relinquish any volumes of this rarity or splendor. The books, skimming the flags in their flight, were racing away toward the city's outlying slums and the swamps beyond. Gasping with the unfamiliar exertion, Endart Scouth renewed the chase. But despite his efforts, the books ran nonetheless at the same distance before him. Soon he grew desperate. Still visible on the moonlit road, the books fled before him with maddening ease. If he could only reclaim them, he pledged to never buy any more. Indeed, he would sell two or even three from his prized shelf in exchange. Samich's turn was now behind him. It seemed to him that he was gaining upon the books, gradually but surely, and he felt certain that he would recapture them soon. So engrossed was he that he failed to notice he was no longer on the open road. Somehow, somewhere, he had taken a narrow track that wound among the viscid fens. The bookseller begged aloud between his panting breaths, first invoking the grand antlers of Fekvol Prath, then the twitching whiskers of Chazmal Nithtorsk. If some divine munificence might deliver the books into his grasp, he would sell half of his collection and donate the proceeds to the priests. As he was about to fling himself forward in a last effort to secure the books, they vanished from view. Baffled, Endart Scouth halted. The track ended in a cavern mouth gaping mustily before him. In his cooler moments, he would have hesitated a long while before entering. Yet, at that instant... He was capable of no other impulse than the lust of the chase. The cavern was slick with fetid exudations, but the bookseller was heartened by a glimpse of his glinting books, which seemed to float before him as if to illuminate the way. They were almost within reach when, with slateful speed, they slid around a sudden bend. Following, Endart Scout was half-blinded by the lush light that poured from a vast cavern and enraptured by the multi-shelved splendor that stretched as far as he could see. The whole chamber, below the narrow ledge on which he stood, was gridded with bookshelves, as a honeycomb was gridded with cells. It was as if all the buckram volumes and leather-bound tomes of the world had been gathered and slotted onto these ceaseless shelves. He thought he saw his own two books perched nearby among the vast collection, but there were so many others of like size and grandeur that he could not be certain. With an ecstatic cry, he scrambled down the ledge and rushed along the rows of shelves. He ran his fingers across undulating spines of all hues and sizes, and he pulled up his shirt cuff to brush away specks of dust. He knew he must buy one of these circular jeweled tomes, and one of those exotic others bound in hammered gold. 
He would sell his entire collection to raise the necessary funds, excepting, of course, those two gems that had led him here. Shopkeep, he called, his weary squeak rebounding off the cavern walls. Guardian of these splendid shelves? In answer, there came a resounding chuckle from above. Twisting his neck with painful effort, he saw an outrageously unhuman entity hovering above the sea of shelves. It was large and lumpen and round, like a giant suspended head, with toadish skin pierced by hundreds of glistening yellow eyes. It floated by some unseen means, dangling numerous tentacles below its girth like the fronds of a skirt. One of these appendages lifted a silver monocle from the centermost and largest of the eyes, which proceeded to regard Endart's scowl obliquely. A, a, a thousand pardons, the bookseller said, his voice shrill with rising disquiet. I merely wish to buy two volumes such as these. My books may not be bought, the entity said, yet... You are welcome to borrow any that you like. This disappointment stung Endart Scout like a puddle's icy splash. Borrowed tomes would not break his oath, but they could never truly be his. Most generous of you, but that is not quite the same. I will fetch my two books and leave you be. Might you point me toward them, and toward the entrance as well? I seem to have lost my bearings while browsing amongst your shelves. <laughs> your books, said the entity. I fear I must dispute you. Those books were borrowed from this cavern, in which I have amassed my subterranean library for many ages. The borrower was frightened away when he spotted me, and may have feared to return them in person. Yet I knew I could fetch them back, as with all my books, merely by summoning them after two weeks. And in this instance, I see that my summons has brought me not only my books, but also a well-fed collector. Endart Scouth, in his mounting alarm, was barely able to comprehend the words, have pity, for I was not told that those volumes belonged to such a well-husbanded collection. Keep them, by all means. Only let me flee your cavern with my life, and I swear I will bring you countless more. The entity hovered nearer, its largest yellow eye peering down as though along a nose, which of course it did not have. Many of the smaller eyes bore monocles as well, and several of the appendages on its flanks held books open beneath them. I will allow you to depart without stipulation, it said, if you can quote me a phrase from one of those borrowed books. <sighs> what, what phrase? Any at all. A whimper slipped Endart Scout's lips. I had... I had just begun to read the first one, at the very moment when they slid from my grasp to answer your call. The entity shook its head, or rather its full girth, which was wholly cranial in shape. I fear I must dispute you again, for my books are immune to enchanted commands while their covers are open. You could not have been reading either of them if they were both closed. I have encountered your kind before— who buy and hoard rare tomes. 
I have naught but loathing for any who assemble such collections, yet never read them. The entity's limbs began to shut each book they held, carefully marking the pages. Then they lifted all the monocles from its countless eyes. The bulbous body floated closer, directly above Endart's scouth, and on its underside gaped a toothless maw that reeked of inhuman bile. Sinking down to a position from which it could reach the frantic bookseller with its appendages, the entity plucked him above the shelves in a single motion of amazing alacrity. Then, with the leisurely ease of opening a book, it began to consume him. End With apologies to the late, great Clark Ashton Smith. And welcome back. Man, really makes me want to double-check that none of my library books are overdue. Also, glad this doesn't apply to podcast backlogs. So, before the episode aired, I mentioned Eric Luke, who read the story for us, has released his debut patio book, Interference. I'd say it's selling like hotcakes, but as it's a patio book, Eric's giving it away for free and downloading like hotcakes just doesn't have the same ring to it. I know quite a few people have mentioned to us that they could listen to Eric read a phone book. Well, let me tell you, this is a lot better than a phone book, but don't take my word for it. Listen to the promo. Something wants in. your head through this audiobook interference by Eric Luke an experiment in meta horror available at quillhammer.com almost finished listening to Interference myself, and I can say, it's wicked fun and free. If you like your fiction dark, twisted, and bloody, and read to you by Eric Luke, this one is for us. Okay, feedback this week is for Laura Ann Gilman's Crossroads, which was read by Malcolm Charles. Feedback on this one was, well, a little bit scarce, to be honest. Some listeners like how economical the story's length was, Others felt it was missing something. Unblinking said it had a lot of cool ideas and some cool magic details. I liked the reaction of the protagonist when told he couldn't use the magic and his reaction was something like, Who said I wanted to use it? I liked that it showed a strategy that the wizards and all their wizard wisdom did not consider. That someone might go to the trouble of taking the magic not in order to use it, but to withhold it from others. It felt like something a spaghetti western sheriff might say. Where I'm a bit mixed is that the story didn't really evoke any emotion to me. I didn't really care who won or how it turned out. My main interest in reading fiction is to get emotionally engaged with the story. In that respect, it didn't do much for me. Cutter McKay agreed, saying, 
The tale itself was interesting and I enjoyed it. I liked the delayed revelation of the sheriff's identity because it kept me wondering for the whole story what his stake was in all of it. I do agree that there was little emotional involvement. Part of that disconnection, I think, comes from the hidden identity of the sheriff. As much as I like that, not understanding his stake in the tale makes me not care if he succeeds or fails. I wonder if there would be more emotional payoff if we were told up front that he's the sheriff, and we understand what he's fighting for. Lion Man said simply, I love the weird western genre. It feels like the American version of steampunk. More please. Well, ask and you shall receive, my good Lion Man. Eventually. Anyway, thanks for those comments. Also, thanks for the well wishes on Copperfield Dana Thompson, or Elric Darcy Thompson, or whatever we end up calling this new baby. Much appreciated, you guys. Well, let us know what you thought of this week's story by visiting forum.escapeartist.net. And if you like what we're doing, please consider visiting podcastle.org and making a donation. Every single sink goes to paying our authors and keeping our podcastle sailing the seven seas of fantasy. Thank you so much. Well, that was our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. On behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, Associate Editor Ann Leckie, Sound Producer Peter Wood, and your editors, Anna Schwind and myself, thank you so much for letting us share another story with you. We'll be back next time with a fun romp dealing with phoenix eggs, courtesy of Marissa Lingen. Until then, remember to crack that book open. As long as you're reading, or as long as the podcast is playing, you're safe. I think. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Our closing quote is from Saul Bellow, who said, People can lose their lives in libraries. They ought to be warned. Thanks for listening. <laughs>